0: This podcast sponsored by Cherry Hill Volvo. At Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers, incredible offers, and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krupnik, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without autopay pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. HD, WPHC hd G L H D three Philadelphia. From the Cherry Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app, The Revolution. Yes. This dish is amazing. the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli.
1: Ukraine can't win. Bottom line is Ukraine can't win, and that that point needs to be made. And we need to stop this and cut this off. But the money is going to the military industrial complex, and I can prove it for you and i will welcome back to the show glad you're here today 855 on twitter at rich zioli 7.2 million illegals entered the united states under president joe biden that is an amount greater than the population of 36 different states 36 states that's something Isn't that amazing meanwhile we're hearing how we have to send more money to ukraine Joe Biden, again, using the death of Navalny, Putin's top critic, to argue that we need to send more money to Ukraine. Now, I don't understand why. I don't I don't get that. But if you tie the two together, you tie Navalny's death in prison, you tie the news that the Justice Department says that this guy who was a confidential human source for 10 years, 10 years with the FBI, is now suddenly a Russian asset because now he came out and said that the Bidens took bribes. If you tie those two things together, you get, oh, we need more money for Ukraine. Why? Because Putin's now influencing our elections again and he's killing his enemies and uh, he's influencing U.S. politics because he had this confidential human source on his payroll and they were trying to bring down the Bidens. It's the Hunter Biden laptop story all over again. This time now with the goal of getting more money sent to Ukraine. And that's what they're trying to do. And we're also now having this conversation about, How Russia is trying to put nukes in space. That's an old story. Dr. Victoria Coates, who, by the way, was one of the 26 people that the CIA spied on in the Trump campaign. Our buddy, Dr. Victoria Coates, was on that list of people spied on. Philly's own and the expert in foreign policy and national security. She was spied on by our own government back in 2016. And she said, look, the story about Russia using nukes in space is an old story. It's coming out again now because they want more money to go to Ukraine. That's what's happening. Now, National Review typically is all in the tank for money for Ukraine. I mean, they have one story here, for example, Russia's space weapons capabilities are worth worrying about. They have another one, a Russian wake up call in space. But they have this article and I want to share this with you. It is called The U.S. the Case Against U.S. Involvement in Ukraine in Plain English. Now, before I get to this, I want to play you a clip. Henry, I just emailed you a clip. It was from The View uh, with a congressman on there explaining where all the money goes. Do you have that one by chance? Did you get that one Yeah, yet? G-
2: give me a second. I'm having a problem with it.
1: Uh-oh. Problem with the clips. That always seems to happen to us, doesn't it? It always seems to have problems. Matt DeSantis is setting up at CPAC. He's down the road at the Gaylord Hotel in Maryland. I'm at uh, the studio WMAL in Washington, D.C. I'll be heading over there tonight. There's a um, cool event tonight I'm going to, actually. Looks like a lot of fun. It's a reception at CPAC. We're going to be live on Radio Row tomorrow and Thursday doing the show from there, so I'm excited. But There is a reception that's happening on uh, tonight with Ambassador Richard Grinnell. And some of the guests are going to be Senator Tommy Tuberville, Daryl Issa, Ambassador Carla Sands, Nigel Farage, Steve Bannon, former UK Prime Minister Liz Truss, Matt Whitaker, and Gordon Chang. So that'll be tonight at the Gaylord National Hotel. I'll be there for that. And um, I even decided that I would wear a jacket for it, not a tie, because it's not a dinner. It's a reception. I don't think you have to wear ties at receptions. That's my philosophy, anyway. And ties are annoying, and they spread germs, and they're they're just kind of gross. Yeah, and you're gonna t- you will take it off anyway, right? Yeah, I'm gonna take it off. I'm gonna do, I would rock the James Bond look and have it around my neck. And I'm a hip talk show host, so I don't need to wear a tie. I'm not a stodgy politician. I mean, I may have to be again, but for the time being, at least, I'm a talk show host. <laughs> Can't tell you what the future's going to bring, but at least for the time being. I'm a hip talk show host, so I can rock jeans and a sport coat, and I can pull it off. Am I right? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's right, Henry. Thank you. Hell yeah. All right, here's the clip. Now, pay attention here. I know the view is painful, okay? But you have to realize something. This is why I bring this stuff to you. Millions of Americans every day are brainwashed. They are brainwashed. And they sit there in front of televisions during the day, and they get more depressed. They get more depressed and they're brainwashed and they hear this kind of crap. And if you don't know what's being said, then you can't push back on it because you're, you you don't know what's happening. Like early on in my career, I started to, now everybody does it, but I started to play these clips a lot. And I'd make fun of them and kind of mystery science 3000 3, them, you know? And now of course it's a whole thing. It's a whole cottage industry, but I was really the pioneer to do this. But I used to get yelled at. You know, people are like, why are you playing in that cloud? I don't hear those people. And I would say the same thing. You need to know what's being said. This is the kind of stuff that people are listening to on daytime television. And a lot of this stuff plays in dentist offices, not Dr. Mike Veneria's. It plays at car auto shops, you know, not Mongo's Tire, not Cherry Hovavo. But a lot of these places, this stuff kind of just plays in the background. And you think it's background noise, but it's actually there for a purpose. And that purpose is to indoctrinate the masses with narratives and propaganda the view which is a vile show with vile human beings on it is owned by abc disney china that's the parent company name abc disney china you know abc news is owned by the parent company being disney and the parent company of Disney is china so it's abc disney china they don't there this is not an accident that they have conversations like this so today a congressman goes on the view and he's explaining how the money that goes to Ukraine isn't really going to Ukraine. It's going to jobs in America. And this is everything that I said in my opening monologue to you. Here I am in the swamp. There's a Capital Grill, a stone's throw away from me, where I'm broadcasting from right now in the Northwest. Not the Capitol Grill, but a Capitol Grill. But at the real one in DC, which is I've been to many, many times, and I love it there, and that's the, that's the OG. That's the OG Capitol Grill. Literally named Capitol Grill because it's in the Capitol. And then, you know, it became a franchise. And But the dinners that happen at places like that and the drinks at Hawk and Dove and Politiki and all the other places, the swamp is getting rich off this war in Ukraine. And they want to make sure it keeps going, which is why they want to make sure that Joe Biden's protected, which is why this confidential human source is now suddenly a Russian asset, even though for 10 years he was on the FBI's payroll and they never had a problem with him and he was always reliable now suddenly he's russian he's a russian plant and so they got to protect the big guy they got to stop trump so now we're hearing all the stories again about trump and putin trump and putin and it's all about making sure that ukraine gets the money but ukraine doesn't really get the money the money goes to the military industrial complex dwight eisenhower on his way out the door warned us about this and ike was no dove you know, the guy had a tiny little bit of a role to play in World War II uh, before he became president. You know, he was one of those guys that came from the military and then went into politics. And I don't know exactly what Dwight Eisenhower did in World War II, but I'm told it was something significant. I'm not a history guy. I have no idea. But I'm told it was significant. And actually, if you ever go to the World War II Museum in New Orleans, you'll learn a lot about General Eisenhower and his role. In World War II, particularly when it came to D-Day but again I don't know much about history don't know much about biology but I do know one thing and that is I'm sorry I'm getting off topic here because Animal House just jumped in my head and i was gonna start singing but I'm not gonna do that to you so this is why I bring you the clip I bring you this stuff so you can understand the indoctrination that goes on in this country every single day look I'm here behind this microphone because I actually care I care. And it's not just about yucks. You know, we have some fun and it's good. And you should, because you have to laugh and life is too tense sometimes. But I decided a long time ago, if I ever can't bring you the truth, I'll do something else. I'm a very talented guy when it comes to things that don't involve the following. Physical labor, car maintenance, home improvement, anything manual, anything that actually involves me being at a desk for eight hours because of my attention span. But I'm very talented. I can do a lot of other things. I can't do anything involving math or science or medicine, and I didn't go to law school, so I don't have a law degree, but I can do other things. So I'm not worried about it. If it came to it where I was ever silenced, I would just go back to political consulting. I'd make more, probably make more money, and I'd be fine. I'm not worried about that. But what I would worry about was being able to, if I had, if I could not expose you to the truth, if I could not show you what's really happening every day, then I would hate myself and I would hate my job, and I would hope that i could do something else even if that something else meant driving an uber fine i could be an uber driver who launches a national comedy show like jimmy Fallon. i'll be the jimmy Fallon to uber as what jimmy Fallon was to cab driving i'm okay with that i'll do it it's not a problem bringing the truth is the most important thing and when you hear this guy go on the view and talk about how the money is really going to jobs in america and this is very similar to what that state department spokesperson said to dana perino today in fox news the money's not going to ukraine the money's going to the people that make the tanks in michigan that go and make the bullets in pennsylvania that make the whatever in in north carolina all the swing states you know for a reason they point this stuff out you understand the military-industrial complex is getting very rich off this war, and this is why they want this war to continue. Ukraine cannot win. In a moment, I'll share with you this article. But in the meantime, take a listen to this clip, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Here you go.
2: And, Mr. Leader, you you also met with President Zelensky at the Munich Security Conference this weekend, and you alluded to there's this $95 billion package on the floor uh, to support Ukraine, which sounds like it's dead on arrival because some of these Republicans blocking it. I know your colleague, Brian Fitzpatrick, a more moderate Republican, has offered a solution to try to move it forward. Some Republicans could even do a discharge petition to try to force this vote. What, is the, what can be done and what's the likelihood something passes this Congress to support Ukraine going into their spring counteroffensive? Yeah.
3: Well, all options legislatively are definitely on the table. Mm. Uh, Congressman Fitzpatrick was on the trip. Uh, also, the Republican chair of the House Intelligence Committee, Chairman Turner, was on the trip. They both expressed to President Zelensky and to us in our conversations that they want to find a way forward to work together oh. and to get this bill on the floor for an up or down vote. Uh, It passed the Senate with about 70 votes, came over to us. It's comprehensive and it's bipartisan. Now, at the same time, we all recognize that there are issues domestically that we need to continue to prioritize, and we will. We'll continue to work hard to fight for lower costs and for better paying jobs and to grow the middle class, for safer communities, uh, and of course to build a healthy economy that works for everyday Americans. This is our top priority and will continue to be. But at the same time, America has always been a leader of the free world and we cannot abandon our post.
2: Do, do these lawmakers understand that this isn't a blank check to Ukraine, it's in fact to to manufacture weapons in the United States. That contributes to our GDP in addition to supporting Ukraine against Russia. Has that argument been made?
3: That argument has definitely been made. We probably will continue to elevate it so that the American people hear it, that these are investments that will be made in the United States. That will generate economic activity for everyday Americans. There it is. Some of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle understand those dynamics, but others are more concerned with performance politics yeah. and political stunts. All right, that's enough of
1: that. Thank you, Henry. So you see, that's that's what I'm that's exactly what I'm telling you. This money is going to the defense industrial complex in the United States of America. That's why the swamp wants to stop Trump. That's why the swamp wants either Nikki Haley or Joe Biden or whoever the Democrats put in, if it's not Biden. As long as it's not Trump and this is why now Trump is Putin's puppet this is why anybody who opposes funding the war in Ukraine is a puppet of Putin wants to see Putin win and then we hear all the things about how our kids are gonna be fighting the Russians in World War Three, and it's gonna be just like that movie they'll be parachuting in you know what I mean the Wolverines will have to gather together and they'll all have to get in the pickup trucks and we'll go fight them in the mountains we keep hearing this stuff over and over again Red Dawn. We keep hearing this stuff over and over again because it's propaganda, because the swamp, the military industrial complex, and the leeches who leech off of that, the lobbyists and the lawyers and all the people who have seats on boards of these companies, and they're all intertwined. ABC, Disney, and the military industrial complex, they're all buddies. They share lobbyists. They share lawyers. They share receptions. They share, they share political consultants. It's all intertwined. It's all intertwined here, but the reality is Ukraine cannot win, and this piece by Michael Brendan Dougherty at National Review is excellent. And he says here, let's lay it out in plain English. The case against appropriating another $60 billion to support Ukraine's defense against Russia is still largely the same case against America involving itself deeply in Ukraine's politics at all. For reasons of geography, history, and current economic relations, Ukraine is per- uh, peripheral, peripheral to America's interests and dear to Russia's interests, and Americans sense this real asymmetry. American security and prosperity have never depended on our political or economic relationship with Ukraine. Although it has resources and produces goods that are important on the global market, there is hardly anything an American consumer uses that has a made in Ukraine label on it. Ukraine is not like Taiwan, whose dominance in computer chip making is important to our economy and sustaining our way of life. Russia's and Ukraine's economies are deeply intertwined. Ukraine has depended on Russia for gas. Millions of Russians have family roots in Ukraine and vice versa. Russia historically depends for its security on access to the Black Sea through a port in Crimea, and Russia has been invaded via Ukraine by Napoleon's army and Hitler's. The presence of a hostile army on Russia's border with Ukraine is seen by Russian leaders, not just Putin, as completely intolerable. Americans, because of this asymmetry of interests, have already put hard limits on what they are willing to do to assist Ukraine. Early debates about Americans or Europeans leading a no fly zone were quickly ruled out. President Biden and Republican supporters of Ukraine have to constantly reassure Americans that there are no plans to put American troops in harm's way to vindicate Ukraine's territorial and political claims to sovereignty. Russia has no such limits. These hard limits, the very ones given within our Constitution, should have cautioned American politicians from rhetorically inflating this conflict into one that would determine America or NATO's credibility, or that implicated the future of the entire free world. Taking on Ukraine as a Western dependent is difficult, uncertain, and treacherous. Here it must be said that the aspiration of Ukraine's westward-tilting nationalists, To reorient their economic and political relations is totally understandable. Russian and Ukrainian economic relations can feel predatory to Ukraine. Millions of Ukrainians have worked in Poland and have seen what decades of economic growth within the European Union can do for a post-Eastern bloc state. But since 2008, the West and Russia increasingly made Ukraine's alignment into an all-or-nothing proposition. This exacerbated internal divisions in Ukraine's politics, leading to the Maiden Revolution and the banning of the party of the regions and many of its successor parties. Even if the Ukrainian military effort from here on out is supremely successful, driving Russia back to its pre-February 2022 positions, Western sponsors would have to weigh very considerable propositions. Will they want to continue to fund a military effort that will be driving much of the current population of Crimea out of it? Will they support Ukraine's ejecting Russians from their long-term naval base at Sevastopol, an asset over which Russians have proved willing to fight major power wars? Further, detaching Ukraine politically, economically, and militarily from Russia, and then integrating Ukraine into Western institutions like NATO and the European Union is an uncertain project to say the very least. NATO membership is by definition ruled out for any nation that has a current border dispute, meaning Ukraine's decision to join would require it to surrender any present territorial claims against Russia. Can any elected government of Ukraine, after the cost of such a war, argue freely to surrender Crimea in a way that would be permanent and credible? Western declamations that Ukraine must join NATO also present the perverse incentive for Russia to maintain Ukraine's borderlands in a state of perpetual conflict in order to forestall such an outcome. Consider also that reducing or eliminating Russia's influence over Ukrainian politics could require rebuilding Ukraine's energy infrastructure. Even in the months leading up to the 2022 invasion after nearly a decade of serious conflict and Russia's coercive diplomacy, cutting off energy To manipulate political outcomes in Kyiv, Ukraine relied on Belarus and Russia for nearly 50% of its energy. After decades, the EU hasn't even worked out new energy infrastructure for members like Hungary, the Czech Republic and Slovakia, often leading to political difficulties for the bloc as a whole. Those members are currently scrambling to sign liquefied natural gas contracts with Qatar, Turkey and Poland. And by the way, the United States of America just announced that we are not going to be exporting any more liquid natural gas. So all these countries are going to be dependent again on our enemies. That's right. Ukrainian membership could also exacerbate an anti-EU sentiment within the bloc by further driving up internal migration. EU membership would grant all Ukrainian citizens a right to settle and work across the EU. In the past, such an outflow posed serious issues of brain drain for Hungary and Poland, a risk that a a rebuilding Ukraine would be ill-prepared to endure. Finally, and most challenging, there is Ukraine's political culture. The westernization of Ukraine has depended on ill, liberal, and extreme nationalist suppression of those elements in Ukrainian society deemed backwards or Eastern-looking. See, you don't hear this. They don't tell you this in America. Illiberal is the is the opposite of liberal. So when you talk about an illiberal place, that means there's no freedom. You don't hear about this, but the efforts going on in Ukraine include legal and extra legal warfare, the banning of political parties and opposition media, criminalization of, of monolingual Russian popu, uh, publications, limiting Russian language imports, a pattern of selective prosecution and anti-corruption of, uh, efforts. It also includes the persecution of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, which has made big public gestures of breaking with Russia's political leadership, though not enough to satisfy the government. And in addition to that, they've just canceled the election because they're in the middle of a war. The problem is that none of this will get debated by our Congress, none of this. The proponents of this funding need to be asked hard questions about American power and resources. They need to be asked how they could be so flippant. How was it that they came to throw around such large but empty promises and billions of dollars in a war so peripheral to our interest? Moralizing and wish casting is not to be confused with stewardship of a global order. And how dare they turn their back on the American people? They know full well that Americans never wanted to pursue these lofty and geopolitical goals if doing so entailed serious risks or sacrifice. Now they come around and blame the voters and those representing them for their supposed backstabbing or for sympathizing with Putin. These politicians are not friends of democracy. They believe the voters are too ignorant to believe the intelligence briefings because they know the voters would never believe it and they don't want to stand for it. And that's why Congress won't debate it. Opponents of Ukraine funding don't need moral permission from their critics to dissent from some imagined golden orthodoxy in favor of the Ukrainian cause. Those critics have spent a week nut picking tweets or sharing little clips of tucker carlson to shame opponents of aid into silence and to avoid the obvious and predicted failures of the policy that they've advocated it's a stupid game if you want to play it there's plenty of low-hanging fruit for adam kinzinger tom nichols and rachel maddow to pick at among all the other people but the bottom line is this America's low level and now rapidly diminishing support for the Ukrainian cause was eminently foreseeable. It is profoundly immoral to wave away the responsibility in politics to assess the cost, to measure up the resources of weapons and will, and then go abroad in search of monsters to destroy anyway. And that's what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing. And the American people deserve better. But we won't have that debate. And Anybody who says what I just said or what Michael brennan Dougherty says at National Review, they'll be blamed. They'll be called a pro-Putin advocate. They'll be shamed because for all the reasons you heard that guy say on The View, because all of these jobs and all this money that's being made by the defense industrial complex, all that money is what this war is all about. And that's why they have to stop Trump at any cost. And that's why they've got to protect Joe Biden at any cost. Or whoever Biden's replacement is, or Nikki Haley, or anyone who supports their efforts, period. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten 839 1210 on Twitter at Rich Zeoli. Listen, NJ Diet's gonna help you lose some serious weight 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days with NJ Diet guaranteed. That's right, contractually guaranteed. NJDiet.com. You need to reach out to them today. NJDiet.com. They will help you. Spring is coming. Now is your time. Now is your chance to lose the weight for good. Just call them at 855-5NJ-DIET, 855-5NJ-DIET, or go to NJDiet.com, NJDiet.com. You'll lose the weight guaranteed. You'll feel great just in time to take off all the bulky clothes for spring weather and you will be looking good. There's a location nearby you in King of Prussia, Newark, Delaware, Cherry Hill and Princeton or live online with video consultations at NJDiet.com. NJDiet.com, lose the weight for good.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone.
4: You put in the hours, the energy,
0: the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medella is your
4: reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port Chicago, Illinois.
0: The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, in the free Odyssey app.
1: All right, it's a busy Wednesday, CPAC Eve, down in Washington. Thanks for being here today follow along on twitter keep the conversation going at rich zoli love to hear your thoughts and i will share some of those on the air as we go along i'm very happy that x has now been taken over by elon musk and now we have a free platform but censorship is alive and well and it's everywhere and one of the great organizations that fights it and does a great job is right here in philadelphia it's fire the foundation for individual rights and expression and joining me now is Aaron Ter. Aaron is the Director of Public Advocacy for the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. Aaron, thank you for making time today. How are you doing?
4: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I like the uh, Dire Straits intro.
1: Well, we did it just for you. It's a your walk-on song, like <laughs> the Phillies have, you know? Uh, let's, let's talk about, uh, the efforts of FIRE because, you know, years ago it was the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. And then you guys decided to branch out and expand. And I'm glad you did because it's not just simply education anymore. It seems to be censorship is everywhere we look.
4: Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, we, um, we were the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education for about 20 years. Uh, we accomplished a lot in that role. There was a lot there was a lot of stuff going on on campus during that two decades that we uh, we had to focus on. But, yeah, over the last few years, we just saw growing threats to free speech off campus and uh, a creeping illiberalism liberalism in our institutions. Um, and, you know, six in ten Americans say they think that our democracy is at risk because people are afraid to speak their minds. So whether it's legislative assaults on First Amendment rights or just kind of a cultural crisis of faith and free speech as a fundamental American value, it started to become clear that we needed to build a movement uh, that fights to preserve free speech in the court of law and the court of public opinion, uh, and that we need an organization exclusively dedicated to defending free speech, both on and off campus uh, without any partisan bias. And we increasingly heard from our supporters who wanted to see us take our brand of free speech advocacy uh, to the broader society. So that, that, was, that was all behind our decision to expand.
1: And what I like now is, and I've talked about this before with Greg Lukianoff, who's, of course, the uh, the big guy over there, is yeah. we have a lot of college campuses in this country that are, they are not epicenters of free speech at all. In fact, when the, the heads of all the different elite universities were getting grilled by Congress over their decision to allow certain speech on college campuses, I really had no sympathy for them because they have been the biggest... Critics in terms of, of, of speech. The biggest silencers, for example, the biggest people that turned around and clamped down an expression. So you, you, when you, when you, start turning into the censorati then you are certainly subject to be criticized for the speech that you ultimately do allow since you don't have a consistent policy on that and that's what i think you saw play out there but you guys always put lists out together and and you have your your 10 worst censors of 2024 now what does this mean america's 10 worst censors
4: well americans on and off campus are finding it difficult to speak freely without facing retaliation from the government, uh, from university administrators, from their employers. Uh, and you know, until this year, we used to, the list used to be the 10 worst colleges for free speech. But since we expanded off campus now, we wanted to change the criteria to include some censors that uh, exist off campus as well. So now we have kind of a mix of the five worst on-campus censors and the five worst off-campus. And it's you know, we, we, we do our best to try and pick what we think of the 10 worst examples from the previous year. It's, it's, it's actually pretty difficult to choose because there's a lot to choose from. But um, but the point of this list is just to shine a light on some of the worst that we've seen with the goal, the goal of raising awareness of how uh, these institutions and authorities are infringing on Americans' First Amendment rights or undermining a culture of free expression. And the hope is that by naming and shaming them and giving them a little bit of unwanted media coverage that we can discourage this kind of censorship in the future.
1: Absolutely. So let's start with the San Diego middle school who uh, went after a kid for, and I'll use air quotes here, uh, blackface.
4: (laughs) That's right. So uh, this, this middle school student, he went to a local high school football game with his friend. And there are a lot of people in the stands that are wearing face paint, body paint as, as anyone who's watched a football game or almost any game before I've seen. Uh, and so his friend, he decided to put on some himself. His friend put uh, this black face paint on based on a picture that they found online of like an athlete wearing this. If anyone, you know, athletes will apply eye black under their eyes to reduce glare. But now there's kind of a trend where some athletes will just will smear the eye black down their cheeks almost to look like war paint. And so that's the look that he was going for. And so he did that. There was no disruption at the game. Nobody said any ne- anything negative to him. But then about a week later, the principal uh, pulled the student and his parents into a meeting and said, "We're suspending you for wearing blackface," uh, which is just absurd. Um, because if you look at the student's face, and then you look at athletes like I'm sure your listeners will know, Jalen Hurts, uh, Bryce Harper, they they wear they wear uh, eye black in kind of the same style. Um, it has nothing to do with blackface. It has nothing to do with mocking or ridiculing black people unless you think that's what jalen hurts is doing um, so it, it was just an absurd case it's just an absurd mischaracterization of what the student was doing there was no disruption of any school activities which is the standard that schools have to show in order to justify punishment of student speech but unfortunately you have a lot of uh, k-12 administrators out there who think that they can just punish students for anything that they or other people find offensive and that's actually n- not the way it works
1: uh- the uh, th- this raid of a, of a newspaper by this small town police department, Marion County, uh, this was amazing. And, and as as you guys put it, it would make the the founders' blood boil. Here, it's Marion, Kansas. Uh, together with the help of a magistrate judge, they cobbled together a search warrant to invade the offices of a family owned newspaper because they didn't like that the newspaper had dirt on a political ally not to mention the paper's investigations into alleged misconduct by the police chief Uh, so they went in there and they seized computers they ripped a reporter's cell phone out of her hand they rummaged around the home of a 98 year old co-owner of the paper uh and then she actually passed away the next day she was she was in shock i mean i'm not saying that necessarily was you know a correlation here but she did die the next day um and and it, what happened here was was awful. But the good news, though, is that there were ramifications for this shameful attack on the First Amendment.
4: Yeah, I mean, this incident had just all the hallmarks of a classic case of government officials using the power of the state to to try and intimidate their critics into silence. You know, it it, it, it just so happened, right, that the paper had investigated allegations of misconduct against the police chief and had info on their computers. Uh, included people who had made those allegations, so it, it, that looks pretty suspicious, right? And yeah, these, these tactics are are really chill reporting, um, and uh, you know, free, a free press has always been a thorn in the side of government officials. That's kind of the point, you know. Now, that that's that's not to say that the press uh, isn't immune from criticism for for, for showing bias, biased reporting, uh, or unfair coverage. That's all fine, and. and political leaders are free to use their bully pulpits to criticize that, but this was something much different. You know, this was uh, raiding a newsroom. It's just straight out of the
1: authoritarian playbook. And the chief resigned. Good. Good riddance. I mean, and that's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's another sure. story here. And Universal. this is, you know, something... We've talked about a lot, Aaron Turr, and that is the, uh, the medical community. You know, you're told to toe the party line or shut the hell up. And we've seen this through COVID. We've seen this with a lot of different things. The Mayo Clinic College of Medical Science punished a medical professor by the name of Michael Joyner for sharing his expertise and research. Tell us about that.
4: That's right. So Michael Joyner, he has a long and distinguished career. He's been at the Mayo Clinic for, I think, about three decades uh and major media outlets often seek out his expertise on a whole uh, variety of medical issues but when he recently offered this commentary on convalescent plasma treatments for covid uh, and research on sex differences in athletic performance mayo clinic decided to, to suspend him for not sticking to quote prescribed messaging uh, and reflecting poorly on their brand and reputation they also criticized him for using idiomatic language which uh, which is just kind of weird um, and then put a gag order on him, so now he so he can't speak to the media even in his personal capacity, without prior approval. Uh, and I think Mayo Clinic here really said the quiet part out loud when they told him that his comments hurt their brand and reputation. That just kind of sums up the problem with so many institutions of higher education that they act more like corporations than institutions dedicated to the pursuit of knowledge, um, and that leads them to devalue free speech and academic freedom because. They're more worried about students and faculty saying things that might cause controversy and hurt the brand than they are with the pursuit of knowledge and truth.
1: Yeah, it's kind of—it reminds me of what uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson has been going through in Canada. Very, very similar to that as well uh book censors next on the list from the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression book censors legislators and publishers bravely protect american people from dangerous children's authors like mark twain ralph dahl and rl stein i you know i i read this recently that I, if you own a digital version of something a movie or a book the publisher has the right to edit that even though it's your property because you have it in digital form. So the advice I always give to people is if you love something, like for example, like one of my favorite movies of all time is Animal House. I know at some point that movie will be banned. I have a physical DVD copy of that and I'm never letting it go because I don't want them doing anything. And they can actually go in and edit this stuff even though it's your property. You own it, you bought it, but the license that you agreed to with all these services says at any point the publisher can go in and make updates. And so you might go into your Kindle one day and start reading Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and realize that they've canceled the Oompa Loompas because they've offended somebody.
4: Yeah, exactly. I think that's great advice to keep stuff in, in physical form. Uh, my brother has a huge DVD collection. I actually still have a DVD player myself. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I now I don't have any plans to get rid of it. But yeah, this phenomenon of publishers uh, sanitizing classic books uh, to make sure they don't have problematic language and doing it without the author's consent i mean it's really it's kind of just gross and um and you yeah you have to see some of these changes to believe them i mean penguin edited a bunch of Roald Dahl's books in, in charlie and a chocolate factory there was a line i read augustus was deaf to everything except the call of his enormous stomach and they changed it to augustus was ignoring everything <laughs> you know, another paragraph uh, because it talked about a character playing with a toy toy pistols, um, and I think one and another one of my personal favorites was from the witches. So in that story, the witches wear wigs and gloves to hide the fact that they're bald and have claws. And th- there was a line in the original that said, "You can't go around pulling the hair of every lady you meet, even if she's wearing gloves. Just you try and see what happens." And they changed that to. Well, there are plenty of other reasons why women might wear wigs, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. <laughs>
1: uh, how did they change to kill a mockingbird? Out of curiosity,
4: or did they I change that? I, or did they, just they change to kill a mockingbird? I don't. I don't. Oh, to kill a mockingbird. Uh, I don't know that they changed anything in that. But but that book has always been a target um, of censors because for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, it contains racial slurs, um, right. and there's also always been this kind of objection to To Kill a Mockingbird that it promotes a white savior narrative. Um, so there have been attempts to remove it uh, from from libraries for that reason.
1: Also, doesn't it also now um, a kind of uh, un- undercut the believe all women narrative?
4: <laughs> uh, how so?
1: Well, I've heard that you know because obviously she she fakes the rape, right? I mean, she she makes it. Oh, up and- well, I see. You know, so, I, I mean, I, I at one point, it, I had heard that they wanted to cancel that book because it, it she lies about the rape, and therefore, you know, that book undermines the idea that, oh, that you're supposed to believe all women. That was actually a legitimate thing I, I, I read once. So, um, all right, let's move over. Speaking of women, San, Fr- San Francisco State University... They um, We're going to have Riley Gaines come and speak. Riley Gaines has been an outspoken advocate of protecting the rights of women in athletics, and she is very much opposed to the idea of letting transgender men compete against women in women's sports. And so she was going to speak there, and what happened? They shut it down, but then you guys intervened.
4: Yeah, while she was speaking, there were uh, protesters who were repeatedly disrupting the event by stomping and yelling inside the room in the hallway, uh, immediately outside and then after the speech um she the police had to escort her from the room uh, and the crowd followed her and accosted her in the hallway uh to the point that the police actually had to lock her in a secure room for almost three hours uh, until things uh died down um, and so yeah this is this is one of the worst examples we've seen recently of the, the heckler's veto which is uh, you know a term for when uh people who are opposed to a speaker disrupt the speech, try to prevent them from speaking through the use of force, through just creating a lot of noise, pulling a fire alarm, blocking entrances, um, anything like that. And this has been one of the the problems, uh, trends censorship trends that we've seen rising on campus in recent years. Um, And it's really, it's a form of mob censorship. It's not itself a form of free speech. You can protest, uh, you know, non-disruptively. That's totally within your free speech rights. But when you prevent someone else from speaking, that's mob censorship. And unfortunately, we have... Recent data is showing that 63% of students think that shouting down a campus speaker uh, is acceptable in at least some circumstances, and about a quarter think that even violence can be an acceptable response in in some circumstances.
1: The amount of young people who support hate speech laws is terrifying to me. It really, it really is truly terrifying. Uh, for the second time, Aaron Turr, we'll jump ahead to the Lifetime Censorship Award that the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression has given. The 2024 Lifetime Censorship Award goes to
4: Harvard University.
1: <laughs>
4: Yay, Harvard! Yeah. Woohoo! Maybe. Maybe not a huge surprise. Um, I think it was a long time coming for Harvard. They finished dead last in FIRE's free speech rankings this year with the lowest score ever recorded. Uh, students reported low administrative support for free speech, low comfort, expressing ideas. About a third of Harvard students, uh, more than the national average, think that using violence to stop a campus speech is at least uh, sometimes acceptable. Uh, and Yeah, like you you mentioned earlier, the whole nation saw former President uh, Claudine Gay go before Congress and claim Harvard is committed to free speech. But the university's track record uh, says something different. Um, You know, uh, most recently, Harvard hired uh, a a defamation law firm to threaten the New York Post with a lawsuit and, quote, immense damages uh, if the paper published a story alleging that uh, Claudine Gay had plagiarized some of her uh, scholarship. Of course, weeks later, we all found out that Gay had resigned after more than 40 plagiarism a- allegations had surfaced. So it turns out it was all true. Um, and uh, I could just go down a whole laundry list of, of other incidents at Harvard. They, they drove out lecturer Carol Hooven for arguing that uh, biological sex, uh, sex categories are, are real and meaningful. Um, they rescinded a fellowship to the Human Rights Watch Executive Director Kenneth Roth over his supposed anti-Israel bias. Uh, they fired Professor Ronald Sullivan from his position as a Dean after students protested him for uh, um, his role on Harvey Weinstein's criminal defense team. And, and Gay had a, had a role in that too, you know, rather than respect Sullivan's constitutional role as a defense attorney, she cited student outrage as evidence that more quote, more work must be done to uphold our commitment to the well-being being of our students, which apparently in her view was incompatible with the the right to to a lawyer and the right to a fair trial, um, Harvard canceled a professor's course on policing uh, following student uproar. Uh, there's there's you know that I'm actually only naming like a fraction of of the cases over the past few years. There's just a lot um, that's that's happened at Harvard, and they really were overdue, I think, for a lifetime censorship award. But we're uh, happy to finally give them the recognition they deserve.
1: We could probably do a whole show on just how much Harvard sucks in this category. Aaron (laughs) Jordan, thank you so much for your time today. Keep up the great work at FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. You can see the full list at thefire.org. Thanks, my friend. Keep up the good work.
4: Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. The Rich Scioli Show on Talk
0: Radio 1210 WPHT.
1: All right, so the uh, uh what was I going to say now? We got a lot to talk about before we go. Oh, Trump, yes, Trump had his big town hall meeting last night. I got a lot of audio clips for you on that. And uh COVID, they're still saying now COVID did not come from a lab. Yes, Dr. Paul Offit is still claiming that BS. So I'm going to share that with you as well as uh, we continue along the show here today. The big story of the day though is uh is still the political uh landscape as we head into the south carolina primary the big story brought to you by dr mike venaria venaria uh and that's also our sponsor for the segment because dr mike is a great guy a great friend and he is my dentist dr mike venaria venaria i'm telling you if you need a new smile you want to go see him today go see him now he'll give you the smile you deserve beautiful beautiful work and Dr. Mike will make sure that you're happy because he's committed to care. That's why for 10 years in a row, he has been named a top dentist in South Jersey by his peers. And he has two offices to serve you, Cinnamon and Woodbury. That's right, right over the bridge. Dr. Mike is the master of dental implants, the master of complicated dental work. If you've already had an estimate, go see him for a second opinion. You'll be glad you did. And you'll love the whole staff is great, the music playing is wonderful, and everybody is dedicated to your smile. And you deserve a great smile, because a great smile says so much about who you are. So don't wait, go see him today, Venariadental.com, My dentist, my friend, and the master of dental implants, Dr. Mike Veneria, Venariadental.com.:
0: Thanks for listening to the seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app.
1: You know, I mentioned earlier to you, as we were talking about the question of our um, are kids—Are they depressed? And is social media to blame as part of the problem? And Henry, you said you liked that interview. You got a lot out of that.
2: Yeah, I thought it was well informed. I thought it was a really good piece. I don't, I, it's something I'm interested in. Always hearing like, what what is causing kids to be a little sadder nowadays?
1: What do you think it is?
2: I I, I don't yeah I don't think social media helps, but I, I I don't know. It's it's I feel like there's a lack of just something to work towards you know it it, like the future like if you watch the news it's always about you know doom and gloom and it's like well what am i what do i care what am i doing anything for anyway anyway interesting
1: interesting so they're uh they're they're getting bummed out by the state of the world
2: yeah I, i think that plays a factor in it i mean i i think yeah like she said i mean there's a lot of factors at play here and i think that's one of them social media can be one of them all those things
1: well, here is a, um, a, a, a clip from NBC News. They had the American Academy of Pediatrics, and they were talking about how fat kids, and I was one, so I can say that, you know, I wore the Husky jeans. I did. I wore the Husky jeans. My problem was jello pudding pies, and Mama Zioli would always let me have an after school stack, and it was never healthy and i would also carve out on the weekends obviously italian you know a lot of bread pasta i was a fat kid so i lost weight i had to get in shape and a big part of the reason was because i got um well now they call it bullied but i just my friends would make jokes you know (laughs) like oh yeah man boobs you know and that would motivate me to get in shape now i can't do that anymore so because kids are not allowed so now a lot of kids who are heavy don't even know they're heavy you know what i mean because somebody tells them that they're heavy because I, you can't make jokes, Can't. Can't. because that's bullying now.
2: I hear you. I hear you 100% on that. I agree.
1: So I was clearly tubby, and my friends would let me know I was tubby, and I did something about it. But now we're just trying to get kids hooked on drugs. So we're, we, get, we, we serve them terrible food that's bad for them, and then we, we bulk them up. We don't let them go outside. We do all these things, and then we have a drug for that. And now we want kids to start using this stuff as early as 12 years old. Take a listen. More
4: than 20% of 12 to 19-year-olds are considered obese. Obesity specialists say these meds, along with a healthy lifestyle, can be used preventatively to tackle excess
2: weight before it leads to other health conditions like diabetes, heart disease, and high blood pressure, which is why the American Academy of Pediatrics now recommends weight loss drugs be offered to those as young as 12. Ideas. Dr. Amanda Velasquez is the director of obesity medicine at Cedar sinai Medical Center and a paid consultant for weight loss drug makers Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly. What do you say to people who say 12 is too young to put a child on a weight loss medication? Yeah, I think that it's about education for the family because I think there's a lot of perception about using the medication about uh, for really appearances. That's not what we're here to do. What we're here to do is help to your patient, a 12-year-old, be healthy
1: there you go yeah it's fine 12 years old just start getting them hooked on big pharma now and then as opposed to getting outside and you know getting in shape and losing weight all right listen we got a big five o'clock hour coming up donald trump's town hall meeting we got a lot of great audio for you i'll tell you what it all means heading into south carolina who he's thinking for vp what that means we got 30 minutes of nonstop talk coming up for you and i want to thank again my buddy dr mike venaria venaria dental.com go see him today for your perfect smile you deserve a great smile VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A. We'll be right back.
0: Rich Scioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Tune In is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively... Sports.
3: The clock at 4.
0: Doncic. Let's step back 3 you bitch music you
3: said my world on fire yes,
0: I'm and even podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on tune in go to tunein.com or download the tunein app to start listening oh, oh.